force aright. justice and a God of righteousness and we trust in you 
and we rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord gave me a phrase, when you invest in good ground, God will spread your seed around. So, uh, you know, any time we get together, it's always good to put something in. Amen? Yeah. God's mutual fund. I like that. And, uh, you know, the woman, uh, Jesus was watching the offering and she put in too much. He saw the rich people put in uh, this or that, and but she gave all that she had. It was a lesser amount, but it was greater in percentage. And you know what? Jesus took notice of that. And any gift that we give in faith is uh, God receives and he multiplies and he gives it back to us. And if you're watching online, we just thank you for tuning in and you can also do this on our website as well. Well, today, as I was seeking the Lord, uh, I thought I would continue on confidence, but the God had other plans. And uh, I want to encourage you tonight that we have faith to win every trial. Say, I have faith to win every trial. And I was thinking about our faith. Our faith, the faith that we have in God. And uh, think about what your faith can do. It can calm storms. Amen? It raises the dead. It can heal the sick. It can wither unproductive trees. It can feed an enormous crowd. It can open blind eyes and deaf ears. It can face fire without harm. It can slay giants. That's what your faith can do. Your faith, say my faith, can do these things. It can bring down cities. It can defy natural limitations like walk on water, stop the sun, run faster than a chariot, and translate you from one location to another location. That's what your faith can do. It can turn water into wine. It can make bitter water sweet. It can defeat an innumerable army with a small group of soldiers. It can remove obstacles like the Red Sea or Jericho's walls. Your faith is unstoppable. Your faith in God can do amazing things. And your faith is ready for any challenge that comes up against it. Your faith was designed to overcome, to win, to triumph, to prevail, and to get the victory. Hallelujah. 
All you have to do is believe. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Even in the trial that we're in right now, your faith is equipped to handle it. Just don't get out of faith or don't lay your faith down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 5. Now he that has wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given unto us the earnest of our spirit. Another way to say this is, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Did you know that God prepared you for some things? The moment that we are living in right now, we are prepared for it. We are ready no matter what comes up. So he gives us the spirit as a guarantee. Verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident. Say, I'm always confident. I'm always confident. Don't you dare give in to fear. Right. Not one bit, not one iota. Whatever an iota is. <laughs> how, how often are we confident? Always. always. Knowing that. You know, you're confident because of what you know. And who you know. We are confident that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Every challenge that you face, you got to walk by faith and not by sight. You can't go by your feelings. Because your feelings can be manipulated. Your feelings go up and down. It's like a it's like a popsicle in the microwave and then put it back in the freezer. You put it in the microwave on that and put it back in the freezer. This liquid glob will, will freeze again. That's how your emotions are. But you walk by faith, not by sight. Now, verse eight. We are confident. Are you confident? Say, I'm confident. I'm I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. See, our faith works because we have been accepted of Him. You've been accepted. You are accepted in the beloved. You are exceptional. Amen. You are accepted. Jesus accepted you. He did not reject you. You chose him. He chose you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. And you in turn chose him. And therefore he accepted you. And see, our faith is necessary to please God. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it is what? Impossible to what? Please him. First of all, you've got to believe He is. How many believe God exists? But then you've got to believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Do we have some diligent seekers here? Anybody that comes to Wednesday night depression is a diligent seeker. 
Amen? Amen. And you're going to get rewarded. You're going to get the word in you so that when you leave these four walls, you're prepared to meet every challenge. Every foe. Why? Because you have a faith to win every trial. A faith to win every trial. Go with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. What you get on Wednesdays is potent. You know, when, um, when um, you can, uh, like, they have these things you can put in the water and you can enhance the flavor of water. And sometimes the mixture is so potent you only have to add a little. And the more you add, the more potent it becomes. Right? And, and our faith, the more faith we build, the more faith we are, the more our faith grows, the more potent we become for God. Potent is powerful. Right? And in Mark chapter 9, there's a story here about nothing is impossible with God. You believe that? Nothing is impossible. Yeah, but it looks bad. Nothing is impossible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't feel good. Nothing is impossible. Right. Yes. Oh, it looks like we're going to lose. Nothing is impossible. It doesn't take much for God to turn things around. Yeah. All he needs is someone to hook up with him. Yeah. Okay? And uh, let's go to uh, to verse uh, fourteen. And uh, Jesus, he came to his disciples. Now these were not Peter, James, and Peter, James, and John were with Jesus because they had just left the Mount of Transfiguration. But it was the other nine apostles. And the Bible says a great multitude uh, about them and the scribes were questioning them. Other versions say they were arguing with them. Do you know that if you're arguing, you're not in faith? Right? Faith doesn't come by arguing. Faith comes by hearing. So if you're arguing with someone, you're in the flesh and you're not in faith. And uh, 15, straightway, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed. And running to him, saluted him. And uh, he asked the scribes, what are you you questioning with them? Or what are you talking about? And one from the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. (laughs) Every evil spirit is dumb. (laughs) And wherever it takes him, it tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth. The spirit wants to control him, and the spirit fights him. 
and he pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. See, most people have their mind on, what can you do to help me? But that's not the issue. We've got to know what, what we can believe. It's not about who can help us, it's about what we believe about what we're facing. Okay? So, he brought, this, he brought his sons to the disciples, they could not cast the demon out. Verse 19, And he answered and said to him, O faithless generation, who's talking here? Jesus identified the group as faithfulness, a group of unbelieving people. Unbelieving. He said, a faithless generation. You know what? Satan right now is trying to get the body of Christ into fear. Because all he can do is suggest that he uses fear, intimidation, and pressure, and he uses lies and deception. He tries to make things appear what they're not. It's nothing new. It's something that he's always done. So, Jesus said, Faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw them straightway, he, the spirit toward him, and he fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming. Notice, this devil is trying to make a display to put fear into people. But Jesus, he's not giving in to fear, and that's how we, we need to be exactly. Yep. Amen? Amen? He asked his father, how long since this came unto his came unto him, and he said, of a child. So there's something going on in this house. Okay? The devil just doesn't come in with no reason. You know what? He only responds to an invitation. Don't give the devil an invitation. Why didn't you invite him? Maybe your bad attitude invited him. Maybe your negative speech invited him. Maybe your Uncontrolled anger invited them. Maybe your slothfulness or laziness invited them. Come on. Bandits will be handed out. <laughs> and oftentimes he casts them into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. See, the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't care one iota about people. If you can do anything, have compassion on us. What a question to ask Jesus. If you can do anything. Okay? He wants Jesus to do everything. Alright? And uh, it's not about what he can do. It's about what we can believe. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible. He already established that these were unbelievers. And guess what? You can't get a miracle in unbelief. Unbelief will bring no relief. Okay? His faith wasn't ready to meet this trial. But our faith is ready to win every trial. You know, God just doesn't want you to meet the trial. He wants you to win it. Amen. 
Amen? Okay, and straightway the father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And uh, then Jesus saw that the people came running together. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, You dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter him no more. See, all things... Oh, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, let me, let's go back to verse 23. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Right? All things are possible is only available to one group of people. Of people who believe. If you're not a believer, all things aren't possible to you. But if you're a believer, if you put your trust in God, if you rely on God, if you have confidence in God, all things are possible. That means there's no trial that you can't overcome. There's no situation that you can't handle. There's no, nothing that can overwhelm you. Why? Because all things are possible. All things are possible. How many things? See, people look to situations and they, they conclude it's impossible. They look at their condition. They look at the situation. They look at circumstances and they conclude there's no one to help us. You know, Jesus encountered a man like this in John 5. He was at the pool of Bethesda. He'd been there for 38 years, right? And when Jesus came to him, he says, do you want to be made well? What was his response? I have no man. To put me in. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting by that pool for 38 years and all you ever hear is say, step aside, move out of the way, watch it, I'm going forward. But his trust was in man. That's why he never made a move. Should we, put, should we believe man? No, but we should believe God. Amen? And uh, Jesus said to him, the man says, well, you know, when I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said in verse 8, rise, take up your bed and walk. Immediately, the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. Everybody say immediately. Immediately. What was different? This message came from the Word, not from man. Jesus was not just an ordinary man. He was a man, but he's also God. But he was the Word made flesh. He was the Word man. And the Word was telling him to do this. And he believed the Word and he picked up his mad walk. After 38 years. How many know there's no trial that you can't handle? 38 years must have been hopeless. He must have thought that he was never going to change. That his situation was never going to improve. Because he couldn't improve it himself, and he couldn't get help from anybody. Our help doesn't come from man, it comes from God. Now God will use people in the help. Amen? So, we are conditioned, and I say this because of the world that we live in. Okay? It's not necessarily true for a believer, but it's true for people in the world. We're conditioned and trained to think on the negative and how impossible things seem. But thank God that God knows the intents of our hearts. Amen? Don't we live in a negative world? 
and there's negative news all around us, and it's, it's, it's there to condition you. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what's influencing you. How do I know it's influencing you? It'll come out of your mouth. When negative things come out, you've been feeding on negative, you've been eating the negative stuff. You've had some negative lasagna. Don't know why I'm talking about food. <laughs> so, I'm going to give you five things that will make your faith win in every trial. I'm going to give you those and we'll talk about it. Number one, you need a, you need a, a pivotal perspective. You need to be able to turn to someone and you, you need to be able to turn away from something. You need a pivotal perspective. Alright? Number two, you need a prayerful heart. You need a prayerful heart. Number three, you need a planted stance. You've got to be able to stand. Amen? Stand up, stand out. Stand for something. What, what, what's the phrase? If you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. Number four, you need to plead your case. And number five, you need a renewed mind. I ran out of peace. <laughs> Do you know that whenever you face something, you got to let God set the standard? you got to get God's perspective. you got to get what God says on the matter. And uh, I want you just to consider Joshua for a minute. In Joshua chapter 1, Right? A pivotal perspective means who do you turn to, where do you turn, and what do you turn away from? A pivot is to turn. Right? I remember when I played basketball. And you, you, you could only take one step, but you could pivot. Right? You could turn on that foot. And, but if you move that back foot, you'd be called traveling. But you had to pivot. And a, a believer needs a pivotal perspective. You've got to be able to turn to the right source. You've got to be able to turn in the right direction. Amen? God gave us the ability to turn. So here's what God told Joshua. Alright? You've got to get the Lord's perspective. You've got to find out what He says and what He thinks. And let God establish the standard and set, the mo and set His motion and plan. Alright? Set his motion, set his plan in motion. I'm sorry. Right? So here's what he tells Joshua. I want you to think about how God is setting the tone. Okay? This is Joshua chapter 1, verses uh, 1 to 2 to 9. Arise, go over Jordan. He didn't want Joshua just laying around, he wanted him to arise. Alright? And he wanted him to go. He said, um, and all the people to this land I'm giving them. He said, you and all those people. So he wanted them to go to a specific place, to the land. Alright, verse 3. Every place where the sole of your foot will tread, I've given you. So he wants them not only to arise, but to walk. Okay? As I said to Moses, from the wilderness of Lebanon to the Euphrates River to the Great Sea. He laid it out for Joshua. He gave him a massive amount of land. 
Basically, from the Nile River to the Euphrates River. That's a, you look at all the you look on a map sometime. Look at all the countries that are between the Nile and the Euphrates. Okay, I did that, but I'm, I don't have time to go into it now. All right, verse five. No man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life. If God told you that, what kind of confidence would it give you? That means. Every battle you face, you're going to win. If no man can stand before you, you win just by showing up. Okay? I will not leave you nor forsake you. So God's going to be with you all the whole way. Right? Be strong and of good courage. He said that several times. For you shall divide the land as an inheritance. So he's already telling Joshua that he's already won because you're going to be dividing the land. You've got to conquer the land to divide it. He's already telling the end result. All Joshua has to do is show up. Who's setting this tone? It's God that's setting this tone. It's God's perspective. He's getting Joshua. Listen, Joshua was saddened by Moses' Moses' death. Read Joshua 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get up. Whoa, let me grieve. You're done grieving. Why got work for you to do? See, if you spend too much time grieving, you're going to miss out on God's plan. Yeah. Is grieving bad? No. But grieving, comes, grieving has a period of time. Yeah. Grieving is not forever. Yeah. He'll turn your mourning into dancing. Sorrow may come at night, but joy comes in the morning. So there's a, grieving has a period. However long you need, but then you've got to be ready for action. God did not call you to be in a perpetual state of grieving. Arise. Alright? Okay, be strong and encouraged uh, and courageous that you may observe to do according to all the, the law. Do the word, right? And then he said, continue to speak the word, observe it, do it, and you'll have good success. Alright? Now let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Verses 3 and 5. This is our pivotal perspective. Say that fast ten times. If you can do it fast ten times, you'd be a good preacher. Okay? We know the story of Jehoshaphat, right? King of Judah, things are going well. He's instituting reform. He's, he's, he's sent out ministers in the kingdom to go preach the word, right? How do you know when you begin to reform things, the devil's not just going to say, okay, go ahead and reform it. The devil likes chaos. The devil likes mess. And he's going to come against a reformer. Anybody that's going to take a stand for what's right may not be always popular. They may say nasty things about that person. But we've got to get the Lord's perspective. So, here's what Jehoshaphat did in chapter 20, verse 3. Jehoshaphat, he set himself to seek the Lord. If you're going to get God's perspective, you've got to set yourself to seek the Lord. That means you've got to put everything else on hold. I told a person today they called. 
And they asked for healing, and I, I prayed for them, and I gave them instruction. I said, can you listen to some praise music? Yes. I said, okay, listen to some praise music. And I said, if a scripture comes to your mind, speak it out loud. And they said, they referenced, can I watch a TV show? And I said, is that TV show going to give you faith? They said, probably not. I said, well, then don't do this. <laughs> Why? There are times when you need to set yourself to seek the Lord. That means eyes on Him or nothing else. Otherwise, you're going to get a mixed perspective. If you get a mixed perspective, you won't get a complete victory. Jehoshaphat, then uh, he proclaimed a fast. Verse 4, he asked help from the Lord. He knew where to turn. He knew who to turn to. He knew to turn away from fear. All right? And then all the cities came to seek the Lord. He stood in the assembly. He stood in church. Right? And he said, and you can read what he said. He said some things. And then he declared some things about God. He, he didn't magnify the enemy. He magnified God. He didn't magnify the problem. He magnified God. If you're going to get God's perspective, you've got to stop the problem talk. Okay? You can say in the beginning, this is the problem. That's great. You don't need to say it anymore. God knows. Now just focus on Him and all His greatness. Amen? Amen. First Samuel 30, verses 6 to 8. David was on a raid and he came back to his headquarters, which was in Ziklag. It says David was greatly distressed. Everybody say greatly distressed. Greatly distressed. Do we as humans get greatly distressed? Yes. But should we stay there? No. no. When you're greatly distressed, you've got to know who to turn to. You've got to get a pivotal perspective. Okay? And because uh, his own people spoke of stoning him. You know, you're pretty stressed out as a leader when the, your, your closest allies want to stone you. Okay? And, uh, but notice what he did. David strengthened himself in the Lord. I would say he strengthened himself. You've got to be able to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You might be in a place or in a position where no one is near you or around you or within a phone call. And you've got to make a decision. You've got to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Come on. You've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And if you've been sucking on milk for ten years, it's time to put the bottle away and get some meat in you. Amen? And so... In him seeking the Lord, he inquired of the Lord. He asked the Lord, what's your plan? Shall I pursue? Will I recover? And the Lord said, pursue and you'll recover all. So he had the confidence that he needed to face every trial and win. Because he just did a pivotal perspective. Can you say amen? Alright. Number two, you've got to have a prayerful heart. Go to Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38. Alright? This is talking about Hezekiah. Isaiah 38, 1-9. Isaiah 38, 1-9. Alright? 
In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. Is that good news? And to top it off, God agreed with it. Alright? Notice what it says. Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, you're going to die and not live. This is the prophet talking. I can hear Hezekiah. Jeez! This is not a good day. Notice verse 2. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall. When he's looking at the wall, he's not looking at his sickness. He's not looking at a coffin. He's not looking at sorrow. He's looking at God. He turned his face toward the wall. Alright, pivotal perspective. Alright? And pray to the Lord. He had a prayerful heart. He, he, he had to turn away from the problem and he had to turn to God. If you're looking at a wall, you're not seeing anything else. That's the point. You've got to take your eyes off the junk and you've got to put it on the truth. Okay? Notice, he prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart. He never said he was perfect. He said he had a right heart. Okay? He's stating some things. He's actually pleading his case, which is another point that we're going to make. Alright? I've done what is good in your sight. And he wept bitterly. When a man weeps bitterly, you know he's serious. Oh, I thought real men didn't weep. You've been lied to. If you can't express yourself, then there's something wrong. Then why, why, why have, what has oppressed you from expressing yourself? If you can't cry, but you can't do other things in expression either. Just a thought. So, notice now. Look at verse 5. Alright? The word of the Lord came to us and he said, Go and tell Hezekiah, I've, I've heard your prayer and I've what? I've seen your tears. I heard your prayer and I saw your tears. In other words, he knew the seriousness of Hezekiah. He knew the intensity of Hezekiah. Amen? How many know when you got your spiritual game face on? Right? You're not playing any games. You're not messing around. You're serious. Right? This is where Hezekiah was. And when you get news like that, you better be serious. Alright? Okay? He turned away from men in the world. He didn't look to men for results. He looked to God. Right? He turned from his sensations, his symptoms, and his suffering. And he, he only saw God. He prayed. He confessed. He declared. He put forth his right heart as evidence. As evidence. And guess what? God knows the intents of our hearts. Alright? He turned away from everything else. He turned to Christ. And when we turn to Christ, we will find that He is still our refuge. He is still our safe place. He is still our deliverer. He is still our joy giver. He is still our peacemaker. He is still our way maker. He is still our healer. But sometimes we've got to turn to Him. 
God is not into half-hearted offerings. God will not settle for second best. Just ask Cain. What did Cain give God? Whatever was there. What did Abel give God? The best, the fattest, the choicest, the best. Which one was accepted? The best. Which one was rejected? The half-hearted one. But, here's the thing. God gave Cain a second chance to make it right. If you do something half-hearted, you can still make it right. But you've got to take the opportunity to make it right. Amen? Alright? So, Hezekiah prayed. God heard his prayer. God saw his tears. What happened? Fifteen more years. That'll give you some time to put your house in order. He doesn't have to take a quick trip now. God gave 15 years. What changed? It was Hezekiah that changed. He did a pivotal perspective and he prayed to God. He, he had a prayerful heart. Number three, you've got to have a planted stance. Back in 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, verses 15 to 18. You've got to plant your feet. You've got to plant yourself on the Word. You've got to take a step. What does it mean to stand on the Word? It means whatever subject you're dealing with, you've got to find out what God says about it, and that's what you've got to stand on. Okay? Are you here? Yeah. Yeah. Alright? A planted stance. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. After, after Jehoshaphat prayed, what, what happened? God spoke. God gave him a perspective. God gave him instructions. God gave him a way to face the trial and win. Why? Because we have faith to win every trial, right? Okay? He said in verse 17, You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. You do have to get into the right position. You may not have to fight, but you do have to get in the right position. Okay? Stand and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. So you've got to be in a position where you can see. But you've got to be in a position where you can stand. That means you've got to stand in faith, not worrying about how the Lord's going to work it out. You're not standing in fear, you're standing in belief in believing God. Amen? He already said his face to God. He already prayed to God. Now he's got God's word. This is how it works. Do you know when you turn to God, he'll, he'll listen to you? He'll show you the way out. He'll provide the help that's needed. Amen? So he positioned himself. And he said, Do not fear nor, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord is with you. Alright, number four. You've got to plead your case. Go to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. You've got to plead your case. This is going to be cool. Alright? Isaiah 43, verses 25 to 28. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. Aren't you glad that God blots out your transgressions? God, block, God uh, uh, what do they call that with legal documents? 
when they black it out? Redact. Redact, yes. God redacts your transgressions. That means the devil can't read it. God doesn't know it's there. It's redacted. Hallelujah. I blot out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. If God doesn't remember them, you shouldn't either. If the devil tries to accuse you, you say, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. Alright? Verse 26. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Get this. These are different versions of this. NIV says, review the past for me. Holman Christian Standard says, take me to court. Let's argue your case together. ISB International Standard Version says, recount the brief. Let's agree the matter together. The New uh, English, or the Net Bible says, remind me of what happened. Let's debate. You prove to me that you're right. God is telling you, to plead your case. This is what Hezekiah did. Hezekiah presented his heart. He presented, he, he said, I, I didn't, he didn't say I did everything right, but he said I had a right heart. I was following you. And, then, and God knew his heart. How many know Abraham made some mistakes, but God knew his heart. And God blessed him, and God increased him, and in spite of his mistakes, he had a right heart, and God promoted him. God made a nation out of one man. Because in his right heart, he presented that as evidence. That's how we face every trial and win. Our faith. We have faith to win every trial. Yeah. See, I have, I have faith, faith to, win to win every trial. Every trial. Does God mean every trial? Yes. Every test? Yes. Everything that comes against you? Yes. No matter what it looks like? Yes. Even if it looks like it's impossible. Look, God specializes in the impossible. How many things are possible to the believer? Oh. All things. It's possible for you to change your life. It's possible for you to change your... It's possible for you to get your broken heart healed. Some of you, the devil tried to break, and he was unsuccessful. But God is a fixer. But you've got to come to him. You've got to be real with him. You've got to surrender to him. Number five, you've got, to re- you've got to have a renewed mind. You can't face a trial with stale information. You've got to get a fresh perspective on every trial. You can't just do what you did in the last trial and make this one successful. You can't just do what you did before. Why? Then you're relying on your own experience and not God. You've got to renew your mind. Renewing your mind means getting new information. Getting a different perspective. Getting a different insight into things. Amen? Why? God knows. See, we've got to have a renewed mind. Our mindset about problems has to change. Our mindset about obstacles has to change. Our mindset about challenges, tragedies, lies, deception, falsehood must be changed. You've got to turn an image of defeat into victory. 
Isn't that what Elijah did with the woman, the widow of Zarephath? Her image. I'm going to make two pancakes and die. That was her image. But Elijah came and gave her another image. No, God will multiply the meal. He'll multiply the oil. Just give it to him first. Different image. What happened? She embraced the new image. What worked? She gave and God multiplied and her and him and her son ate for many days. Just because she changed an image. Whose image are you conformed, conformed to? We're not supposed to be conformed. The world puts a lot of pressure to try to conform to them. J.B. Phillips had it right when he translated Romans 12 too. He said, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. The, the world's got a cookie cutter. And it thinks you're dope. And the, the world just wants to make Christmas tree after Christmas tree after Christmas tree after Christmas tree. Because it's the same mold. And you're seeing that today in, in, in this very hour that we're living. The world wants you to squeeze into a mold that's alive. A mold that's false. Everything about it is false. It reeks. <laughs> but thank God that God's got some Lysol in some people's hands. And they're going to be spraying that Lysol and exposing the stench. <laughs> God specializes at exposing the enemy's junk. You don't think that Elijah... Who else was with Elijah facing the prophets of Baal? The prophets of Baal had the king and the queen on their side. They had the palace backing them up. The, the institution that makes the laws for Israel was supporting the prophets of Baal. They were eating at the king, queen's table. The queen was a proponent of Baal worship. And Ahab the king was just saying, okay. <laughs> he didn't spend, he was called the most wicked king up to that point. There were others after him, but up to that point he was the most wicked. And what did Elijah do? First of all, he shut up the heavens. Then he faced the prophets of Baal. He let them do their thing, but he said, then I'm going to do my thing. And uh, if you look, I'll tell you what, if you want to get a good laugh, Read the story of Elijah from the New Living, from the Living Bible. He mocks the prophets of Baal. He said, where's your God? Is he on the toilet? <laughs> huh? And what did he do? He called fire down from heaven to expose the idolatry that was happening yeah. in his nation. Yeah. See, this is what God wants to do. He wants to expose the idolatry. I tell you what, we don't need any baby killers in high positions of authority. Amen. We we don't need any people in high positions of authority that don't submit to the authority. So what what can we do? We can get God's perspective. We can have a pivotal uh, perspective. We can have a prayerful heart. We can plead our case. We can have a planted stance. And we can renew our minds and be ready to do whatever God tells us to do. Do you think it was popular when John the Baptist went to King Herod and said, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. What happened? It cost him his head. He was telling a king that. 
But he wasn't afraid to do it. And this is what we need in this hour. We need people who are not afraid, no matter what, to stand up and say what's right. Amen? This is the kind of faith that wins every trial. We need to turn an image of being broke into prosperity. I'm on a fixed income. Well, who fixed it? If you want to give yourself a raise, increase your giving. How does that work? The more you get with the same measure you mean, it will be measured back to you. That's what the Bible says. If you increase your measure, you get it back to you. The measure back to you increases. You've got to turn your image of depressed into joy. You've got to turn your image of being overwhelmed into turning it around and winning. You've got to see yourself as a winner. Amen? Oh, and uh, by the way, I forgot to say that when you have a planted stance in Ephesians 6, Read Ephesians chapter 6 and find out how many times it says the word stand. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Having that all to stand, stand. You can withstand the devil's tactics. There's about four right there. Guess what? We need to stand. Amen? And uh, we need to fight. But we don't fight against flesh and blood. So these are the ways that we can have faith to win every trial. Alright? You have a pivotal perspective. You've got to know who to turn to and where to turn from. Right? You've got to have a prayerful heart. There's power in prayer. And when you pray the word, my goodness, heaven and earth will move. And when you plead your case, when you present your case before God, into the courts, you've already been assigned an attorney. His name is Jesus. He's got a better record than Perry Mason or Matlock. He is the greatest lawyer ever. And by the way, your father's the judge. And you have a planted stance. You stand, no matter the opposition. You know, uh, years ago, I was working in a Bonanza restaurant. It was my very first job. I started off as a dishwasher. Then I went to fry cook. And then I was a broiler. And one hot summer night, I can remember, I had a whole stack of tickets. The grill was full. The tickets were full. And it was hot. I mean, it was summer, and it was hot. I'm dripping sweat. It was so hot, I almost passed out, literally. Because the heat from the grill, and all the steaks, and, uh, you know, and you're trying to drink water, but you got to get the meals out, amen? And I, I almost passed out, but you know what? I kept standing by the grill. I kept standing with the heat, and I made it through. We got all the orders done. All the tickets were gone. My grip was clear. Amen? But it was tough. But I had to stand. And see, sometimes you've got to stand like that. You're going to feel the pressure of the heat. You're going to feel the temptation to quit. The enemy's going to put that pressure on you. But you don't give in. 
You keep standing. You stand your ground. And you will overcome and win every trial. Amen? Hallelujah. I know we got a bunch of winners here tonight. Your, your, your winners, your refreshed winners. Because times of refreshing come from His presence. Uh, Gabriel, would you just play a little bit? Um, I just feel like I need to pray. I'm going to pray for these people that are watching. If you're watching this program, we really appreciate it. And we want you to share this with all your friends. We want you to like it. And I just want to pray for you right now. Father, I'll just give you thanks and praise. For those who have heard this word, Lord, they have received faith to overcome in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you're working on their behalf to help them overcome their trials and their tests. And Lord, you cause them to win in every trial in the name of Jesus.